0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Now, you know the rest of the story. Go over to chapter 13, Israel rebels. God tells them that they'll be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because that's what they said. That's what they said they'd rather do is die in the wilderness than go in the promised land. So God says, okay, not too late for that. We can make that happen. The children of Israel know, it's been told them by Moses, this is the result of your unbelief. Their hopes, their goals are now to die in the wilderness. Now in chapter 16, it brings us to a a real, real serious situation. Up to this point, nearly every miracle has been regarding provision. There's been one that we looked at in the defeat of the Amalekites, the Malachite uh, armies that had to do with protection. But things change. Once Israel rebels, the miracles change. There are different kinds of miracles. The manna still happens every day wherever they go. This is not a location miracle. The manna shows up wherever they God takes them from place to place and so forth. But in Numbers chapter 16, there's a real, real important story that shows God's power regarding, uh, uh, regarding Moses and the leaders that he puts in place that's a type of the church. Let's start in verse 1. Now Korah, the son of somebody, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Daphne and Abram, the sons of uh, Eliab, on the son of uh, whatever, verse (laughs) 2. Do we really care? Korah. And they rose up before Moses, and with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. These are people that are respected. 250 of them with Korah. And they gathered themselves against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift you yourselves up above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. Now the only thing Korah and these guys want is to be more well-respected or more have a greater position with the people, however we want to say it. But it's, it's all about politics. It's all about ego. It's all about how they're seen by the people. And so Moses falls on his face, verse 4, and he spake unto Korah and unto his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who is holy and will cause him to come near unto him, even him whom he has chosen, and he will cause to come near unto him. This do take you censers, Korah and his company, and put fire therein and put incense in them before the Lord. Tomorrow... And it shall be that the man whom the Lord does choose, he shall be holy. You take too much upon you, you sons of Levi. Verse 8. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, you sons of Levi. Now the Levites were the priests. They were the ones responsible for the, the services of the tabernacle in the wilderness and, and that kind of stuff that God gave them to build. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you? that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? Do you not realize the place God has already given you? That's what he's asking. him. And he has brought thee near to him and to thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with him, and seek ye the priesthood also? Do you not realize that you already have an important place? Now you want a place that hasn't been given to you? Now that's the real issue. The real issue is that they want something that has not been given to them. Now, I'm going to back up a little bit and read something to you. You don't have to turn here if you don't want to. But in, uh, in Numbers chapter 12, just before the children of Israel send the 12 spies in, Moses sends the 12 spies in and begin, uh, before they rebel. Aaron and Miriam, Moses' brother and sister, have their little thing. And in Numbers chapter 12, verses 1 through 10, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. The word meek here means humble. It means teachable. Stop and think about this for a minute. This verse fascinates me. Who wrote Numbers 12, verse 3? Moses did. Is Moses writing this saying, look at me, I'm really something, boy, look how humble I am? No. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, are different than any of the other books of of Scripture. They're all inspired by God, but the first five books of of, of, uh, Scripture, the books of Moses, the five books of Moses, are dictated by God word by word. This is not Moses sitting down making a record of stuff. This is God saying, Moses, write this. In the same way that God wrote the Ten Commandments in the stone, he's telling Moses word for word what to write. Jewish scholars know this. Historians know this. Everybody recognizes that there is something different about the first five books of of the Bible, the books of Moses. They hold a different place in uh, Jewish, Jewish orthodoxy. Than the other books of the scripture the prophets the law and the, uh, the, and the prophets and so forth everybody recognizes it Einstein and some other real real brilliant people saw that there was something unique about the the structure of these things like for example the book of John John's a common guy He writes things in a common way. You go to Luke. Luke was a more educated guy. So the structure, the sentence structure and the the language, there's a difference between those. They're saying the same thing. They're saying the same truth. They're speaking the same uh, subjects in many cases. But there's a difference based on the way that they write. You write differently than I write. It's just a function of our personality. Who we are comes out. But the first five books of the Bible are not like anything else. When computers, when the advent of computers came along, they recognized what others, Einstein and others, had surmised, and that is that there was a mathematical equation to them. Computer technology has proven that. Now, the Jewish orthodoxy, all the, the rabbis, it's been known, or at least claimed, from the beginning of these books having been discovered and recorded, that God gave these words to Moses to write. So God is telling Moses, write this about yourself. Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Moses would have to be pretty meek just to write it. It's not him saying it about himself. It's God saying it about him. So let me pick up the story again in verse 3. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam Come out, you three, under the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak unto him in a dream. In other words, you don't decide your prophets. I do. And it comes through supernatural visitation and communication. Verse 7. My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, openly, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Moses. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from them from off the tabernacle. And behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. Now the Bible tells us that Moses intervened and said, Lord, you know, take this away. Don't let this be so. And the Lord spoke to him and said, if she had just done something that was uh, contrary to the law and just touched an unclean body or something, acted in an unclean way, she'd be separated from the camp for a, a week. So she stayed leprous for a week, and after that, she was healed. So in Abraham's day, it was whoever stood against Abraham made God their enemy. The same thing was true for Israel when they went into the promised land. The same thing's true for Israel at this point. But it goes even further than that. It goes even further than just protection for the children of God or the, the, the covenant partners with God. Let me use it that term because nobody was a child of God. So it goes further than just protection for the covenant partners with God. It goes for protection from the covenant partners with God when they went against the people that God has anointed. Now we see protection... Not just for Israel, we see protection for the ones that God sets in place. And remember, this is all a type of the church. In other words, what this means for us is that God will protect the church from the church. All right, back to Numbers chapter 16. Moses has told Korah, bring censors out tomorrow and God will show who's who. Let's pick up in verse 18. Numbers chapter 16, verse 18. And they took every man his censer and put fire in them and laid incense thereon and stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them under the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the congregation. Now it's not just Korah and the 250. He's gotten everybody overnight. He's gotten everybody on his side. He comes with the whole group, the millions of them. And it's everybody against Moses and Aaron. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, verse 20, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. The word consume means to end them. That I might end them in a moment of time. And they fell upon their faces. Moses and Aaron fall upon their faces trying to save the people that are are standing against them. They fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? In other words, don't destroy everybody because of the sin of Korah, the ones he's uh, talked into. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the congregation, saying, Get you from about the tabernacle of Korah, Dathan and Abiram.' We didn't read it, but Dathan and Abram wouldn't even come up to be in, uh, to stand with the others to see what was going to happen the next day. They said, Moses, you brought us out into the wilderness. You think it's a small thing to bring us out here to be killed and die in the wilderness. And now you want to make yourself a king or a prince over us. He said, we're not blind to what you're doing. And so they wouldn't even come up. So now God identifies Korah and these other two that wouldn't, that wouldn't come to the same place. Verse 25, Moses rose up and went into Dathan and Aram, Abram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spake unto the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. And touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got up and they moved away. I don't want to read the whole thing. Let's see. Um, So anyway, he separates the evildoers and the 250 princes, these three men and the 250 from, from everybody else. And, uh, of course, their families stay with them. Their families are are standing with them there uh, in their houses, their tents, and so forth. Verse 28, Moses said, Hereby shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works. Notice Moses is saying this. It's not God saying, Here's what I'm going to do. It's Moses saying it. In other words, Moses is doing the same thing as he did with Amalek. He's learned, This is up to me. Hereby shall you know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own hand. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up, and all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then shall you understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them. And the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah and their goods. They and all that appertained unto them went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were around about them fled at the cry of them. For they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. That's when the Lord tells Moses, now get get a censer and make a sacrifice from the coals of this fire and and protect the people in in that way. And he does. The next thing that happens is Numbers chapter 17 is still part of the same story. Because God is proving who's on, uh, who's uh, his uh, chosen ones. He has... Each of the tribes of Israel bring a stick. And they carve their names into the stick. And the next morning God said that I will show whose stick. Uh, who the, the, the person that I have chosen by the, the stick that represents them. And it tells us in Numbers chapter 17 that Aaron's stick budded. That's a, it's a staff. It's a rod. It's cut off at both ends. There's no living to it. There's no life to it. But it budded. It, 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 uh, it uh, brought forth almond blossoms. And that was something that they kept and they put in the the, uh, Ark of the Covenant. And it was kept along with a jar of manna uh, as a a symbol of God's blessings and God's miracles in the wilderness. It tells us that there are two things that should show, two things that should be in evidence in the life and or ministry of somebody that God picks. One is miracles or the supernatural. The other is fruitfulness.
0: Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing.
1: Now whatever somebody, you or me, or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8:17 tells us why He healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses.
0: Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.
1: Notice it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost. He said, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs whom God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves know. Paul said something similar about himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He said, truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Let me finish this up real quick. Numbers chapter 20. Here's the one place where Moses messes up. Oh, by the way, I didn't didn't finish the story. But in Numbers chapter 16, you'd think that after Korah and the group fall into the earth and are swallowed up by the earth that everybody would would, uh, say unto Moses, okay, now we see you're the guy. We'll follow you. We'll quit murmuring against you. The Bible says the very next morning, the people complained because of all the people that died next morning numbers chapter 20 children of Israel are murmuring against Moses again this is kind of a broken record now they're in a place in the wilderness where there's no water and so they the glory of the Lord appears unto Moses this is numbers chapter 20 beginning in verse 7 the Lord spake unto Moses saying take the rod and gather thou the assembly to gather thou and Aaron thy brother and speak ye unto the rock first time they were there Water came from the rock was because Moses hit the rock. That was a type of Jesus on the cross, smitten of God and afflicted. But now, the second time, the rock is not supposed to be struck or smitten. The rock is supposed to be spoken to. Now, this is a clear type. First time of Jesus being smitten of God on the cross, paying the price for sin. The second time, the blessing of water, which is a type of the Holy Ghost, the type of the life of God. Water being realized through the spoken word. The operation of faith, in other words, for the believer. In order for you to partake of the promised land blessings, the promised land blessing of healing, for example, Jesus doesn't have to go under the cross, doesn't have to take another stripe upon his back. You receive that blessing along with every other blessing by believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. That's what this is a type of, but Moses messes it up. God says, speak to the rock and it'll come forth. But Moses gets up, takes the rod uh, from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron, verse 10, gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said, Here now, you rebels. These people have finally gotten to Moses. If this had been one of those times where God said, Moses, stand back and let me kill these people, Moses probably would have said, have at it. Because he's mad at them. He said, Hear you now, these rebels. Now notice what he's put up with. He's brought them out of Egypt. They murmured against him the whole way. He brought them to the Red Sea. They were murmuring. God delivers them to the Red Sea. He goes up into the mountain to get the Ten Ten Commandments. They come down and they've committed adultery and and all kinds of things, the golden calf that they're worshiping and so forth. He's done miracle after miracle after miracle, delivered them time after time after time, and the same result occurs no matter what he does, no matter what God does, no matter how God shows himself strong on their behalf. The people murmur against him and say, Why have you done this? He's trying to do something to help them, something to benefit them. He's doing it at the instruction of God. And they complain, why have you done this, Moses? So finally, he's had it. He's fed up. He said, Hear ye you now, you rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Twice means the second time. Doesn't mean he hit it twice. It means he hit the rock the second time where God told him to speak to it. And the water came out abundantly. Wasn't lightning from heaven and God saying, no, nope, messed up Moses, back up, do it right. The water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because you believe me not. Notice how, how, how uh, important believing God is. I mean, you'd think Moses with all the stuff that he's done and with all the, the things that he's been faithful in, you'd think God would give him one mistake. He said, Moses, because you didn't believe me to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore shall you not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. In other words, this cost Moses the promised land. What cost Moses the promised land? The same thing that costs you and me the promised land, and that is when we fail to recognize that the promised land blessings are received through the words of our mouth. God didn't make an exception for Moses. I don't know about you, but I'd been fine with him if he had. But this is that serious because it's an eternal law. God deals with you according to the words that you speak. Moses' action of hitting the rock when he was supposed to speak to it instead, this action cost him the promised land blessing. That's why the, the, um, the law of faith for us told us so clearly in Mark eleven twenty three, whosoever shall say unto this mountain not whosoever shall hit the mountain whosoever shall pray that Jesus will come back to the cross and do a little bit more work whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith last one real quick Numbers chapter 21 this is the last of the wilderness miracles one more that Moses does in the sight of the people. And that's the type of Jesus. Making the brass serpent. On the pole. The Bible says. And again in Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy when, Numbers, in, uh, Deuteronomy when uh, Moses is making his farewell speech to the people. He reminds them how God had brought them through the land. That was filled with fiery serpents. The King James translation says. that The people murmured and so God sent fiery serpents. But the reality is. The snakes were already in the land that they came through. The miracle was that this is the only time that there's any record of the snakes getting through to the people. But the murmuring of the people was sufficient to allow the the judgment of God or the protection of God to be lifted. And the judgment of God to come upon them. And many people died because of these poisonous snakes. So Moses cries out unto the Lord and the Lord says, make a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. This is the thing that Jesus said as a type of himself. In John chapter 13, I'm sorry, John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Jesus said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up from the earth. So also must the Son of Man be lifted up on the earth. So Jesus says, says himself, talking to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus says, that was a type or a sign talking about me. Well, what happened with the serpent of brass in the wilderness? Moses lifted up the serpent of brass, and he gave instruction to the people at the, uh, at the direction of God. Whosoever looketh upon it, shall live let me skip over to chapter 30 um chapter 21 excuse me in verse 8 the lord said unto moses make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten when he looketh upon it shall live when he looketh upon it shall live in other words it's the beholding of the cross And all that Jesus did for us that brought two things for these people. Number one, verse 7 says the, the people recognized before Moses, they came to Moses and said, we have sinned. So what do they need? They need forgiveness from their sins. The second thing they need is healing from the snake bite. And the same remedy is available for both things in the same manner. God says to Moses, it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it on a pole. And it came to pass that a serpent had bitten, if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. That which Jesus said is a type of himself provided two things for Israel. That was forgiveness and healing. Just as the Bible says Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It's talking about the same work of crucifixion, the same work on the cross, the same redemptive work by Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead provided not only salvation for the inner man, the spirit of man, but also healing for the physical body. And that's the last of the wilderness miracles. The last one. I think it's instructive for us that that's the last one. Because remember, everything about the wilderness miracles were designed for two things. Number one, so that the people would believe God and his word. Second, that they'd be ready for war, prepared for war. The next thing that happens is Joshua and the miracles of the conquering of the promised land, the conquest miracles. The things that God does to cause them to enter into the promised land. But this is the last one, the most specific and obvious type by Jesus' own words that refers to him and represents him and his sacrifice. What do you think we have a record of these miracles for? Is it supposed to have a different effect in us than it was supposed to happen for them? Same one. So that you believe God and his word. So that you be ready for war. Knowing that God will do anything and everything. I like to see Moses' progression here. Moses messed up in Numbers chapter, uh, what was it, 20? Where he struck the rock. He messed up that one time. But Moses goes to the, from the place of standing before God in the burning bush and saying, "I can't do this. I can't speak. The people won't believe me. I, I'm, I'm not worthy of this," to being the person that is handling the power of God, not even talking to God about how are we going to do this. He's come to the place where, if God hasn't already told him, he decides for himself. That's the type of the New Testament believer. That's the type of the priests and the kings that we've been made to get today through the relationship that Jesus has made a way for us to have over and over again in in, uh, uh, John's gospel John 14, 15, and 16 Jesus said to to the disciples and therefore said to us if you call for or ask for anything in my name I'll do it why? because you're in Christ you are in the name of Jesus therefore you speak and I'll make it good you speak and I'll perform it. You call for it, and I'll do the miraculous. All these things are types and shadows of that which Jesus has already fulfilled. Folks, it already belongs to you. You don't have to do anything to get it. It already belongs to you. God's Word is the answer for every problem we'll face in this life. What a privilege it is to believe God and to walk by faith. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
0: This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb.
1: So if we operate according to the example and keep the commandments of the Lord and obey His commandments, we can walk free from these things, poverty and lack and sickness and so forth. We can walk free from these things today by fighting our faith battles and taking possession of our promised land.
0: Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.